On this show, we're discussing a film about a jack-of-all-trades who's only going to give you about five minutes of his time. Because we're talking movies, and we're talking another of Chris's favorite films, Drive. Starring Ryan Gosling, Carrie Mulligan, and Brian Cranston. Written by Hussein Amini, based on the book by James Salas, and directed by Nicholas Wining Ruffin. Hey, you want a toothpick? Shittiest quotes, shittiest quotes. I'm going to call you shitty quote Scott. But before I say that, you know the story about the scorpion and the frog? My friend Nino didn't make it across the river. Oh, that was the shittiest quote. Boo you, Scott. <laughs> everybody and welcome to this week's episode of how'd you like that movie tonight we're talking about drive from 2011 by danish director nicholas weinenrafen a neo noir actually neon noir fucking masterpiece scott take us away all right um this is the first time i've ever watched this movie oh well and... actually yeah let's let's do first looks what do you what uh give us some broad strokes instead of strokes about broads <laughs> anyway, it's like, what the fuck is that? Um, yeah, it was the first time, you know, like this time frame. Like, I've di- I distanced myself from uh, Ryan Gosling when this movie came out. Wait, 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 wait. You, know, you had distanced yourself? Why? What, yeah, what yeah. did he do that made you, that means you, you were a big uh, supporter of him and then you moved away? And so, what happened? He made the notebook. Uh, and then that that was all that was playing in this household for so long. And you know what's crazy? I, know, I noticed this today. So who's the other major, major actor in The Notebook? Rachel McAdams. And where's Rachel McAdams from? London, Ontario. Canada. And where's Ryan Gosling from? London, Ontario. All- it was like a match made in the Golden Horseshoe, or at least Southern Ontario. I don't know if London's part of the Golden Horseshoe. Anyway, that's a little Southern Ontario commentary for you there, podcast listeners. Anyway, so you had distanced yourself from Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, we... Yeah, everything of his movies at the time, uh, my wife was devouring because of the notebook, so Mm. that Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine's good, though, man. Blue Valentine's a sick film. Yeah, but... It's got some gravitas to it. Listen, a taco from Taco Bell is good once in a while. But once you eat a lot of it, there's only one way it's going out, and that's in the shitter. If your wife was was consuming that much uh, Ryan Gosling on film, then was she not consuming a lot of Scotty at home? Oh, we went through this with the Chris Hemsworth body, right? Like, there's all, you can't compete, right? So you just have to kind of distance yourself a little bit. Just go with so the flow. luckily, yeah, luckily, you know. But, it, like, this film was always on my radar, but I never actually, you know, pulled the trigger on it. Yep. And I was, you know, pleasantly surprised like how it's one of your favorite films that to me like just like rush kind of makes like it's like you have a type of film that it has to have a fast car in it 
Doesn't have to have a fast car. They just happen to. They just the last two just happen to have a fast car. Give me your type though. Keep going. Keep going. Let's let's see if you actually know anything about the person that you co-host with. Uh, (laughs) Fuck no. (laughs) You're a man of mystery. You're an enigma. (laughs) But I was gonna say apparently fast car, some kind of action scene, over dramatic family conflict. And, you know, apparently the leads have to have blonde hair. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. Thanks for summing me up. Uh, n- not at all correct, but uh, <laughs> you get points for fucking trying. Uh, enjoy the uh, the brisket that we're serving all weekend. Um, so you enjoyed it. You had a good time with it or? Like, I enjoyed it. it like, it, it's, I'll give it, it is beautifully shot. 100%. Like, especially that open, opening chase scene. I thought, like, the choices made on that kind of, like, I was in awe of. Like, because it was miraculously detailed mm-hmm. of, of everything they did on that. And I give them all props for, for that. Especially the, props, yeah, especially the props department. They get extra props. Well, were there props on there? Or no. But anyways, no, I want to hear you more, like, kind of like whack this off being like what makes this one of your top five favorite movies so as i as i said in the last episode that we did on rush i have films that are yeah. I, go ahead what are we gonna say i would say yeah just continue yeah, yeah, yeah. on with saying just so, like just, just like the film rush yeah just like the film it's rush. the same premise <laughs> <laughs> um there are films that I consider perfect films. This one not is not quite perfect, and that has to do with the casting of Ryan Gosling, but I'll talk about that later. Um, I mean, this is the type of thing that like a film student will just jerk off all over all day, especially people that are into like the cinematic like photography side of things, because as you've already pointed out, it's beautifully shot. Uh, right, the thing you know, the thing opens with a big establishing shot, shot from a helicopter. And then you kind of come down to like street level. Then you've got crazy driving scenes where the camera's inside the car. Um, but even even in the, the minutia details inside this car, like the lighting that they used. So uh, for those of you who don't know that I'm a, I'm a bit of a filmmaker myself. Uh, and my film Heartache actually is just got picked up by the KW Film Festival. So I'm going to give myself some like whoop whoop. Um, and I, I take a lot of stuff from Drive for that film, or at least I tried to. And one of the things, we have a driving scene in my film as well. And I, it made me realize how fucking hard it is to shoot a driving scene. So the opening driving scene for the film Drive, I believe that took them two days just to shoot it. You know what I mean? Because like... The, mm-hmm. just to get the lighting right and you got the camera inside the car and to light everything properly plus like it's just it's like the car's moving they're using a a biscuit rig in order to like do stunt work and stuff later on as well um so it's just like first off it's just like this immersive experience but not only does that tr- opening establishing shot kind of set the dark and and when i opened i referred to it as a neon noir so it's that play on neo neo noir <clears throat> Or like new crime, kind of pulpy, kind of dirty. Uh, it uses a lot of like neon pink and neon blue, and kind of like um, brightly lit—not brightly lit scenes, but like neon lit scenes. Um, and so it has this like really kind of gritty. It's it's very much like um, 
Blade Runner uh, or even the the new, what is it, Blade Runner, what is it, 2024 or something like that? Yeah, the sequel, the yeah. Dennis Villeneuve one, yeah. right? So you've got all this beautiful aesthetic going on and you have this like pumping, you know, kind of uh, synth wavy, unresolved tension track. <laughs> Like going on in this, this like pulse, like, and then just like this car chase, like, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to listen to. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. And and that's just like the opening scene. So I'll, I'll stop there and let you push back a bit. Yeah. Well, it's not really pushing back. And I, and I think, yeah, like the, like, again, this being my first time watching it, I thought what this film was going to be after watching that scene never it never to me hit that crescendo again okay like like if if i had it in my mind it was going to be one kind of film and it turned into something else um plot wise narrative wise that um it still gained my attention but i think like for me you know what I know you're saying neo noir and everything like neon, that, but do you know noir. what? Shut the fuck up! It's <laughs> not even a fuck. It's not even a fucking thing. Okay, anyway, keep going. Gonna... <laughs> neo noir is, but neon noir is not. Um, I can make up words too. It's a humbuscus, but this remind me way more of a western than anything. Right, like Gosling was pretty much like the man with no name. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just came. He he came into town. Like when you start hearing, and, and that was the one thing I appreciated. Like all the backstory and everything was done through dialogue, through narrative. It wasn't force fed, and I thought the writing on this film was amazing. And like it's just a guy who like came into town, no name, you know, and then all of a sudden he he can do everything and he has that um conflict with his neighbor which was kind of similar to now i'm fucking i don't even remember our own show but what, what was the eastwood movie uh was a man with no name which one was the one we did uh, a few Fist, more dollars a fistful of dollars, fistful of dollars. Fistful of dollars. Yeah, yeah by sergio like, leone it was technically it's technically that plot well <laughs> but and- now it's and there's another modern LA. And so yeah, I've I've seen that reference as well to Clint Eastwood's character. Plus, I mean, what is it, the like nineteen sixties uh Western Shane? The same thing, right? Kind of like a gunslinger, doesn't speak very much, comes in and like does good and then rides off, right? Um Yeah, yeah. and and that was the thing, like doing research uh for this film, like this film was rewritten a lot. Yeah, it was. Like his like Gosling's character who is driver um they him and Carrie Mulligan actually had a shit ton of dialogue together but then they decided while shooting to kind of change it up and kind of make him this man with few few words and most of their scenes they only say like two or three words to each other each scene right yeah, it's, yeah. everything's just intense looking at them well the cast members and the screenwriter they lived with Wyndham ruffin in his in his home while they were filming so they would film all day uh work on the script 
and then drive around at night and find like locations or whatever. And while they were doing that, him and Gosling actually got kept, they kept removing dialogue. Like they actually cut it almost, it comes back to what we've talked about with uh, Del Toro with the idea of like less is more do it with the acting. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I've always had an issue with the fact that Ryan Gosling's in this film until I did some of them. Well, I still think I, I would have cast different people. Um, well, he wasn't the first choice, but I think he did. Well, without, without the casting of Ryan Gosling, you don't get Wyndham Wraith because he picked Wyndham Wraith to actually direct this film. Um, so you basically the film that I love is because Ryan Gosling got attached to it early when they still had the option on the script. And then he went and chose the director that made it the film that it is. Um, just on the t- topic of casting, I think everybody's cast really well. Um, I would like to actually have seen just to, uh, you know, I took a couple notes on who I'd like to see Adam driver or Ben Foster, I think would have been better, better as the driver. Ryan Gosling's just, he, he has that ability to not do any emoting or and, and show any emotion. He's just, he's too pretty for the role. And I don't well, mean handsome. I mean, pretty like too fragile looking. So I would, well, I'm not going to say that, but do you know who was first cast for this? Well, when the original Hellboy director, Neil Marshall was involved, it was supposed to be Hugh Jackman. Yes. And, and, and I don't know if Hugh Jackman and, would have been, been correct either. Like, and and first, I'm just going to tell you to you know get your fucking uh, facts straight. Okay. Say that again with Neil. Neil, Neil Marshall. Yeah. So what is he? Who is he? He directed Hellboy, the first one. No, okay. he directed the remake. There's Guillermo del Toro directed. Oh, I forgot. Two. I totally forgot they fucking remade it. With Ryan Perlman who is in this film as Nino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Wait, wait, wait. How, are you're... you saying this Ron Perlman was in Hellboy 1 and Hellboy 2, correct? Yeah. And, and then he the the movie was remade with David Harbour. And who directed the remake? Uh Neil Marshall? Oh my god, I'm having a burn. Yeah, Neil Marshall, I believe. The person or... I just said. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Ah, damn it! But, yes, but that's the that's original. So, yes, it's Del Toro. The that original makes sense. is Del. Yes, that makes sense because when yes. you look at like all the imagery, uh, it's like Pan's Labyrinth and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks for schooling me. I mean, I don't, I don't watch those films. So when I saw Hellboy and I had just read about Ron Perlman, I was like, oh yeah, it's the same fucking Hellboy. I totally forgot that they had remade it. So, thanks for uh, clarifying that for our uh, listeners. Trey, right. I'm keeping my geek cred. Boom. boom. <laughs> uh Go. so what did you think of pacing because you said it wasn't the film you thought it was going to be so it's a hundred it's a hundred minutes long uh which is just yeah, you know, like obviously pacing, yeah pacing was fine and and it's not and and where i thought like how the film opened i thought like the storyline etc was going to be kind of similar in which you know, here he's this criminal and, you know, meeting the neighbor is what's going to convert him to, like, Being not be a criminal. Yeah. And then just finding out, like, how, because I don't want to spoil it either, because like, it is it is a fun ride, and don't get me wrong, but I think, like, I was more entrenched with all the crime stuff than I was the drama w- with the romance stuff between him and Carrie Mulligan. Sure, right? sure, sure. 
So the romance with Carrie Mulligan, I mean, I had read some stuff where the director was talking about they wanted to show because so like as you you brought up in the beginning, uh, this is based on a book, right, by James Salas. Uh, there's actually a sequel to it called Driven, which takes place seven years later. Um, when I'm listening, I'm actually just started listening to an audiobook to the to the original book Drive. Uh, so there is a lot of interest and stuff like that. But what Wyndham Wraiths really wanted to do is he wanted to use Carrie Mulligan's character to show kind of like two sides of the same coin, right? So a perfect example of that, and this is actually one of my favorite scenes. I even when I was rewatching it, you know, two nights ago or whatever, I was struck by just like how perfectly composed this fucking shot was. It's the scene in the elevator, and he just kind of pushes her. There's no dialogue. He just pushes for him to his like the like the white knight, you know, and then the switch or whatever, right? And it was just like the the aesthetic was beautiful, the sound cueing was perfect. And then just this like rapid transition and it allowed the Carrie Mulligan character to see him as like the, the other side of him, like the side that she didn't know about, you know what I mean? And I, I just thought they, they executed that fucking perfectly. Yeah. But to be honest, I think, I think she knew, I think she knew, just, you know, yeah, she knew he might've had, had a bit I of think, a streak. I think, but... I think her character had a type right and she kind of like stuck with the type because if you think about it like even um oscar isaac's character right yep. Which, who is the husband that, that came out of jail you know standard no Gab- point standard, standard gabriel because she said where what no deluxe version yeah uh <laughs> but what i was saying like okay so he goes to jail she waits she finds ryan gosling and you know like one more date and it's it's downtown someone's getting driven by a driver yeah (laughs) but then she gets a call from a lawyer saying her husband's coming out of jail (laughs) she's like okay i guess we can't go so then it's like threesome (laughs) carpooling he was in jail he might you know he he could he could be the male in the middle he he, he can go both ways (laughs) but uh but his whole arc like he's trying to to redeem himself to her too right like he's trying to be a good dad he's trying to get out of that life well, and too, he's not right? again like you said not to try and not give too much away like he he isn't out seeking more crime like he is no. like you said he is trying to walk the right side of the law um but he gets they keep pulling me back yeah, 100% Michael Corleone. Uh, and I think I think that, like in terms of and what I said with the writing, that what to me is what, in, oh my God, I'm having a brain fart. What engrossed me so much with it because nothing in terms of the, the tropes were the same with this film. That's right. Because you know his character should have been the asshole that you're like, I hope you do die. So, you know, Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan can get together. Right. Yes. But by making him nice, it, it suddenly makes, it gives the audience conflict. Right. And cause Ryan Gosling's not a good guy either. Like he's mm-hmm. violent and he's very distant. And so you don't really know who to root for in this film. And even, I mean, even the criminals, right? Like the, the big guys like Ron Pilmer's, character nino well he's actually kind of a piece of shit um so 
But uh, Albert Brooks, who, who, you know, Oscar-nominated actor, he was in Taxi Driver, Broadcast News, A Most Violent Year. Uh, Oscar Isaac was also in uh, A Most Violent Year. Uh, That character of Bernie, like, as a mob guy, like, because he's not, again, and one of the, one of the, you know, descriptions I heard or read about was he's kind of like he's a mobster but he actually doesn't want to do violence he will and he's effective but he would much prefer not to and he actually doesn't he doesn't enjoy that aspect like even like later on he's like ah I'm so excited to just race this car or whatever and then just like like does his thing Mm -hmm. right and I'm like oh even that even the way some of the like again the intimate violence with like knives and what is it like a fork and a bunch of other stuff you're just like whoa like and the camera just sits there and lets you see it all and it kind of goes back to when we were talking about what is it possessor and there's something about like when you have like really really close intimate physical violence that the camera hangs on it becomes very real and unnerving and i think that that invokes emotion you know what i mean which i think as a filmmaker is a is a fantastic thing to do yeah like i'll be honest that like that scene in the diner or in the pizzeria it was my favorite line of of that movie oh the... when he looks at he when he looks at nino and he is just like now you get to clean up my mess <laughs> right yes. but which but that but that why did line... you use that fucking quote instead of do you want a toothache like that's a fucking much better quote no because now i get to talk in detail about this line all right all right and this quote because that one line just 100 percent just tells you what the whole dynamic of their relationship is yes right like albert brooks is the guy behind the scenes who's technically his face is the legit face right yeah because you know he was the movie producer you know he was out in the limelight people know him from that and that's how they think he has his money right yep where nino was the guy you know that was supposed to be the mob boss and you know doing all the dirty work but when shit got hit the fan uh, in that scene, I love Ron Perlman in a velour fucking tracksuit, man. He just comes rolling in there and in like his fucking juicy couture or whatever the fuck that is, and just looks like a bad motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's like something Samuel L. Jackson would be wearing in a Tarantino film. Like, and he plays. Oh, that- I, I was just, I was just thinking like he, he probably. <laughs> it's probably not true, but it was. I was like. He probably lost out on a role in The Sopranos, and he was like, "Motherfuckers, <laughs> I can pull this fucking shit off," and that's probably what made him sign. He's like, I got, "There's this indie movie. You're gonna be a ra- uh, you're gonna be like a mob boss." He's like, "I'm wearing a fucking <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wearing. That's, that's it's, I'm writing that shit into my fucking contract or whatever." Um, but yeah, like, yeah, go ahead. But, yeah, like like I was saying before, like the one guy I loved most, like Brian Cranston, like he's a fucking national treasure, but because of uh, how we were discussing before, like them removing so much dialogue from Goslin's character that actually boosted Cranston's character. And a lot of his stuff was improvised on the scene because he felt that somebody needed to talk. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The, I, so a lot of his stuff was improvised on I can, set. I can imagine actually that scene when they're, when they're, when he's at the beginning of the film, they're getting, he's getting ready to show him the car that he's gotten souped up for him, the Impala or whatever. And he's like, 
do you need some like nicotine, Dramamine, da 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 da? And he's just like rattling stuff off, and he's like, "Ah, right, you don't smoke. Yeah, it's probably the best of you." And he's just like, like da 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 da, da like rapid fire dialogue. And Ryan Gosling saying like nothing. It's just like walking, <laughs> and like one guy. It's it's like hanging out with me. Like it's one person talking, <laughs> and the other person just listening. You know what I mean? Just kind of timing. It's like uh, it's like jump rope, right? You gotta kind of just you gotta time myself to get in so I can actually talk, right? Be like, oh no, I can't go now. I can't go now. <laughs> but, so yeah, like go ahead. Yeah, well, I just want to talk about the cinematics on this. So the DOP on this, uh, it so it so the DOP on this is Newton Thomas Siegel, and I actually thought that Wyndham Wraith uh, worked with like the same DOP all the time, but. When I went back, like, it's a different one on uh, Bronson, which is fucking awesome with Tom Hardy. Uh, He did Valhalla Rising with Mad Malcolmson, different guy. Um, And then I thought for sure Neon Demon with Elle Fanning and Christina Hendricks. Like, they've got very similar aesthetics, totally different DOP. So some of this, like, neon shit is is Wyndham Wraith, like, wanting the shot composed that way. Uh, Anyway, so Mm -hmm. Thomas Siegel got a BAFTA nod. He worked on Pump Up the Volume. The Usual Suspects. So he's worked on like most of Singer's stuff, I think. Because I've got The Usual Suspects, All the X-Men, Valkyrie, Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't even write down everything that Singer did that he worked on. Uh, He just worked on The Defy Bloods. And remember Cherry? We did the show on Cherry and we were talking about how like this is like somebody let a DOP just do whatever the fuck they wanted. Well, he was the fucking DOP on that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, but I I was going to interject when you, you started interjecting all the singer movies. I'm like, this guy probably doesn't want you to say all those movies now either. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, no, I got Cherry. I got this one in Cherry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... uh, yeah, fair enough. Sorry, man. Uh, unfortunately, we're tying you to that and the fucking Weinstein Corporation. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> But in terms of scenes, like for me after watching it, the two scenes that stayed with me the most were the diner scene. The the one with the... the... With Albert Brooks and the hotel scene with Christina Hendricks. Like, that was... Like, how they built up the suspense in that scene... Yeah. Like, was amazing, right? Having him first, like, realize, like, something's up. And then putting on those gloves and then like, you know, he, he strikes he does, her. Yeah. yeah. He strikes her. Then he was like, okay, hey. he does this spiel. She fucking believes him. And then the way that scene ends with the two yeah. Nino guys and her head, I was like, holy fuck. Right? Yes. That was like straight Dawn of the Dead, like George A. Romano and a fucking water watermelon or whatever the fuck they used to, to do it. Right. Cause it was all, same thing like and it just seemed like it was all one one shot right yeah yeah yeah. like one take like basically like no cutting away right like the camera's kind of moving around Mm -hmm. the space um yeah yeah that was a fantastic shot uh do you know that christina hendrix originally so uh, and you know i mean everybody must know her because she's got like seven emmy nods for her work on madman which is she's fantastic uh on madman uh she's also in the neon demon that wyndham wraith does after this Wyndham Wraith originally was going to, was auditioning porn stars for that role. And then when he actually like got a chance to spend some time with Christina Hendricks and talk with her and stuff, he was like, Oh yeah, you're going to be perfect. Um, because you can actually do the acting. He wanted kind of like that really curvy aesthetic 
but he was having trouble finding like an actor that looked like that. And then, so like, I mean, she's a perfect fit, but another shot that I really like is when Ryan Gosling puts on his mask from the, from the movie set and it's framed. He's looking into the pizzeria. And so the audience is looking outside to him walking from the car up against the window and then it's like all his head is like squarely framed and it's a very odd looking non-expressioned you know rubber mask and it's just kind of sitting mm-hmm. there framed out by these this window or whatever i'm just like fuck that's a beautiful shot like there's so many times in this film where you're just like god damn that's a fucking beautiful fucking piece of cinema uh cinematics you know what i mean no I, like i agree that is a beautiful shot at no point does hit move the narrative forward and it more makes more plot holes than anything because you're telling me he got out of it he put on his mask got out of his car walked slowly to the window to the door literally stared at all the mobsters and you know their mistresses having a great old time for two to three minutes and then decided to walk back into the car (laughs) so he can wait for Dino to get out Fair, it enough. Fair like, enough. It was more like he was like, fuck, what's taking these fuckers so long? <laughs> Going up to the window to see, like, fuck, we're going to be here a while. It's very <laughs> similar to when we talked about um, David Lynch, right? The idea of sometimes the story, sometimes the cinematics serve the story, and sometimes the story serves the cinematics, right? And I think, unlike Lynch, mm-hmm. where I think uh, the former is, is, is primary, where He's just like, I want to, I want to show some shit and I'll make a story that makes that happen. This kind of moves back and forth. It's very, it's very arty. I mean, so my quote for this week is from Claudia Pugue from the USA Today. And she says, the look is artfully stylized, influenced by classic film noir. The mood is dark. The performance is nuanced and the story unnervingly exciting. And I'm like, yep, a hundred percent, hundred percent. It's fast. It's not fast paced but it's got energy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it does. Right. Like I know they stated there won't be a sequel to this, to this film, which now you're telling me there is in the book series, but it, it is one of those things that it does kind of and perfectly. It's, it's similar to like, like Mad Max, right. Yes. Where, you know, he come, he comes in, he interjects in these people's lives and then just leaves, right? And then he's gone. And then if you do pick up the story again, it's not linear. It's just some other time. Like, pick any Mad Max movie and they basically don't really line up with each other. You know what I mean? No. Exactly, right? So I think I think what they had here uh, worked very well. And, and I think it would be, you know, kind of a tragic travesty if they were to make a sequel to this film because i think sometimes one and done is perfectly what Boondock you need, just a one Boondock and done is a perfect fucking example of that boondocks aids no they but they made a sequel to that's that, what i so mean it, it and, and that should not but have it happened does, it, it fucking travesty but now but now it's not a one and done because it is boondock saints and boondock saints too no, i'm so saying as an example that. of what you said i agree with you that stopping at one and done you have this great film. Stop there. That's why we. I said, like, maybe don't don't redo Jaws. Remember, <laughs> we had that conversation. 
Yeah, but they're sequels to Jaws, so yeah, might I as guess well. that doesn't work. Like, well, <laughs> once once the Pandora box is open, then <laughs> it's no longer a one and done, right? <laughs> That's uh, the thing, right? You gotta find a one and done. Were you uh, were you happy with all the casting choices? Like, was there anybody you would have changed or put in a different actor? Or... No, I, I I honestly I thought everybody like with this being the first time me watching it and to be honest i didn't really know who was in this movie either than carrie mulligan and ryan gosling right like looking at the credits and seeing like oscar isaac and then brian cranson christina Hag- yeah albert brooks and everything and then ron perlman i'm like fuck i'm like this is like like it's well like it is heavyweight casting like i think even though at the time this film came out you know me and I was divorced from Ryan Gosling, but like we, we, we've made up now. Like he made nice guys. And I think nice guys is a per, another perfect example of a nice one and done, yep. um, which he's awesome. in, and I think he is like, he is an amazing actor. And I think you're just jealous that he I, has no, 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 more no, no. hair I, than you. I, I, so for example, I like him in the big short. I think that he's, he's awesome in that. He's, he's good at playing certain roles. I just don't like to see him try and play a tough guy. Um, even in Blade Runner and it's 2049, I get it. They're trying to use the same kind of character. The idea that, cause he's, um, what are they called? The, the replicon or whatever. So replicant. no emotion, but replicant. yeah, but he's too like, think of Harrison Ford. And again, uh, depending on what your perspective is, whether he's a replicant or not, the point is is that Harrison Ford always has that kind of like uh, surliness to him. Ryan Gosling doesn't have that. Although I do want to check out Only God Forgives, which is another Wyndham Wraith film that or Reffin film that's shot in like Thailand and supposedly like Ryan Gosling's like had to take a bunch of like Thai boxing training and shit like that. So and Christina Hendricks is in that. No, no, not Christina Hendricks. Um, oh, anyway, I can't remember who else is in that film. Um, but uh, it, I, it looks good. It's got that kind of neon aesthetic to it as well. So, I mean, I want to check that out. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, I think the ca- other than Gosling, I think the casting was great. Um, <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> he did. He did a good job. Like to me, I know you're saying he's trying to be a tough guy, but look, I think we can all agree 100%. Like, Die Hard is an amazing movie, right? Oh, you're telling me that Ryan Gosling and Bruce Willis are the same level of prettiness. Come on now. Bruce Willis, just regular John McClane, would fucking knock out Ryan Gosling in a fucking heartbeat. So you can't make that fucking comparison. He was already going bald in fucking Die Hard, buddy. So come on. Come on So you're saying the the guy who is, you know, at the time, you know, Moonlighting, who is, what, Silver Shepherds, like, bitch? Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but I'm talking, like, the aesthetic. Ryan Gosling looks like a fucking China doll, man. Like, seriously, every time they made, want to make him, like, a bad guy, they put, like, a little bit of dirt on his face, and they're like, oh, okay, now you're tough, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I, but, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think size does not constitute. <laughs> it's toughness. not size. It's the features, man. Right? Like, it's the features. He's too fine a feature. Even China doll. Even features, China doll man, fucking like, Gosling. I'm not fucking arguing on this. You're fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, because 100%, you know, like sometimes, you know, karma's a bitch and there's going to be one time where you and Ryan Gosling circles are going to match. And I want to be there that day when he just <laughs> literally 
lets you punch him like four or five times and he doesn't go down and you go down on his first hit and he's gonna be like try to all this try to all this motherfucker so he'll be like what do you want what do you want <laughs> before before we get out of here uh would you recommend this film and if so who to uh yeah i think uh if you're looking for a good story uh and good writing to be honest i would say that great cinematics and you know if you kind of want to see a movie where the main the main guy keeps his shirt on all the time that's that's 100 like worth it sounds good man uh unless uh i mean i recommend this to everybody i think it's a great film especially if you're into cinematics you know if you're a film school type of person a cinephile uh check it out uh excuse ryan gosling also excuse scott's son who uh is is in the picture now. uh he just really wants to be in there and that's that's all for me on this show uh scott take us out of here and that is our rant for the day please like and subscribe to this podcast if you're looking to get a hold of us, please go to our website at howdoyoulikethatmovie.com. All our social media links are there, and you can email us as well. Do you know what? Do you know where it landed for the year in two thousand one for total box office? Wasn't it like, like what number? Or something like that? No, it was number one hundred. Oh no! Boy. So for <laughs> you, so your favorite movies are the number one hundred of the the years they're released. Two for two. And mine are the number one, and mine's are the number one. That's because you're a popcorn movie guy, and I'm a fucking arty film guy. So I mean that oh, that is how that should play week. out. Just wait till next week. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.